Dosri Nune Gor Holodeck Cash. Welcome to the Holodeck is Broken, a Star Trek rewatch podcast. I'm your Captain Laura. I grew up watching most of Star Trek. I'm your first officer, Mac. I've watched way too much Star Trek. I'm Eris, your communications officer, and I've seen some of it. I'm Z, chief security officer, and I have no idea what's going on. Our seven-year mission. To rewatch all of Star Trek from the very beginning. Boldly going where everyone but me has gone before. Hey there, I'm Laura. I'm Mac. I'm Eris. And I'm Z. And your away team is coming back once again to discuss two more episodes of the original series. Season 1, episode 28, The Alternative Factor. And Season 1, episode 29, The City on the Edge of Forever. Generally considered to be the best episode of the entire series. But not without its controversy. Mm. On that note... (laughs) The alternative factor is full of shit. <laughs> it's so bad. bad. Yeah, it's well, bad, yeah, but I agree. It's bad. It's just a bad episode. That, like, I'm trying to keep into it, and then one of my notes is, "Oh, oh, is this just a, is, that, is this episode just bad?" Yeah, that's what that's what it was. One of one of my notes is boring, and then after immediately after that is what in holy effects, Batman? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think. Yeah, one of mine is it's the special effects that really sell this show. (laughs) It's it's like the director of photography just got a hold of a bunch of fancy new filters for the camera and just said, "Hey, let's just try this out." Or they just ran the negatives. (laughs) They just ran the negatives. It wasn't even fun filters. It was just they didn't develop the film. Yeah, Yeah, it was literally hard to watch. What? Like, I'm very light sensitive, and so I was like, oh, no, can't, okay, I'm clicking over to a new tab, can no longer be here. So I restarted this episode three times, trying to get into it, and I finally just let it play all the way through while I played Among Us on my phone. That was, that was the way to go, yeah, absolutely. One of my notes is just, oh, man, with no other context. <laughs> I'm not sure what that's about, but I remember feeling a certain way when I wrote it. <laughs> as much as I did not watch this episode, I didn't listen to all of it. Um, this episode got weirdly religious, yeah. or at least it did auditorily. I don't really know what it happened visually after that first negative effect happened. I was like, I can't anymore. I'm just whoop, can't be having my eyeballs here. For like, especially for Roddenberry, who's like very anti-religious. This was very like the struggle of good versus evil. And now they're trapped forever for eternity. And I'm like, did you just try to reinvent monotheistic religion? <laughs> what, are you, what are you doing, Roddenberry? Just stick to skirts. <laughs> yeah. Right? He did. We got the, the new lady lieutenant, and she was awesome. And I'm yes. betting we'll never see her again. She was yeah. fantastic. And lieutenant I was faster. She was cool. I <laughs> didn't know that there was another female <laughs> <laughs> That's how little I paid attention to this episode. <laughs> She was great, and I hope that she lived a very long life and had a successful career, and I hope that good things are going well for her. I wish her literally all the best. If she had been a bigger focus in this episode, I might have paid more attention. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) yes. Same. Hard same. Like we mentioned in our last episode about the costuming problems on this show, she didn't have lieutenant stripes on her uniform. So how was anybody else supposed to know she was a lieutenant? They said it eight times. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 
That's, she just insisted everyone just call her lieutenant over and over again until it stuck. The other one still at the cleaners. I have to wear the spare. They could. They only get. They only. Everyone knows they only issue one set of lieutenant sprays. Yes. But like they give us like five or six uniforms, so I only have like one good uniform that I've got to wash every. You know. <laughs> I'm just coming up with shit now. <laughs> She did not appear in canon after this episode. However, no. she was established in some of the books as uh, Scotty's pretty much right-hand person, like the second-in-command in engineering Aww. throughout yeah. all those years. just never saw her. So she I was... Would, I would watch her and Scotty do a whole episode. Why Why didn't we do Ooh. that? Spin-off. Uh, a whole season of them. <laughs> just like... Fixing shit on the ship. Like, I would watch that show. Yes! <laughs> Engineering. Yeah. Yes. There, is a, there is a book series of the core of Starfleet Engineers. Mm. Yeah. It's not very good. But, oh well. <laughs> it's a good idea. It's just that the books aren't very good. And, it's okay. and that's okay. That's okay. Um, the only other thing I would note about the episode is McCoy's line, I'm a bright young medic. And my thought, my sub note there was, methinks at least Eris will disagree with all three of those words. <laughs> yes. I mean, I, did, I do disagree with all of them. They are wrong and they shouldn't have come out of his mouth. <laughs> Which, with that being said, I don't really have anything else to say about the alternative factor. And I think The City on the Edge of Forever is a much more interesting thing to chew yeah. on. Especially since the idea that McCoy is a bright young man is thrown immediately out the window when he accidentally <laughs> injects himself, himself full of drugs. With, yeah, okay. He, he trips into a bad ship. Like, I know they're not using needles, but isn't, like, needle safety a part of medical training? <laughs> I literally wrote, if you put a different background music to this, this could literally be a doctor office's training video to new employees for what not to do when handling needles and sharps. <laughs> this is literally like, now let's watch what Bones does. Can anyone pick out the error in policy when handling that needle? I was expecting some like Ron Serling lookalike to step in from the side screen and go, can you point out the four mistakes that happened? <laughs> the fuck? Let's watch that scene again and hope that our friend Leonard keeps in mind what we learned today. <laughs> the ABCs of needles. <laughs> Z, please weigh in on this as someone who works in the healthcare industry. I honestly, I just kind of stared at the screen when it happened, and I was like, "Did, did that, did that happen?" <laughs> or I, I, just, I was like, I was, I was, I was like, McCoy, 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 my my boy, my boy, McCoy. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> quite a few incompetent nurses which is not something <laughs> that you ever want to hear anybody say but I never <laughs> ever seen a nurse stab herself <laughs> like, right? now what, what is your, was your place of employment near the forever planet and the time waves were shaking everything about <laughs> I, 
You know what? I gotta be honest. No, no. Um, <laughs> however, I have been in a few riots, so I'm again. Okay. Nobody's yeah. ever been stabbed with a needle. So, <laughs> yeah. That's true. Okay. I'm, I'm gonna out. put on. I'm gonna put on my empathy hat. This is a weak argument, Eris. Like this is this is not an argument, but in sort of a writer slash McCoy's defense. Don't know. AIDS hadn't happened yet. <laughs> And that's when we got safety needles is post-AIDS pandemic, epidemic, um, where like they actually developed better needles to make sure that transfer to healthcare workers wasn't as dangerous uh, because there were several nurses who got sick in the late 80s, early 90s from needles, from from punctures when they wouldn't help HIV positive patients and then they would accidentally stab themselves. That's a really good point because needles now, they come with caps on. Yeah. So like in transit, nobody gets stabbed. So that's, that's a good point. Yeah. yeah. But having said that, what McCoy did was so <laughs> fucking bonkers nuts. <laughs> The conversation that they literally just have about this drug and how <laughs> potent it is. And then, it, it, yes, he's using a hypo spray. So it's not even something that's like an actual needle. But like, he not only jabbed himself with it, but he pushed the plunger all the way in and gave himself yeah. a full dose. Why did you have your finger on the trigger that would inject you with all of this precious medication. Yeah. That's like when you go up to a birthday cake and they're like, hey, will you cut it? And you're like, oh, yeah, sure. Um, let me serve myself because the first slice is always fucked up. And then you <laughs> pop half the cake and you're like, oh, darn. Yeah, this whole thing. Yeah, I was not expecting Bones to be this boneheaded, even though I don't really like the guy. And yes, I did just make a really great pun and I'm very proud of myself. I honestly, right before he stabs himself like like a child, I guess. I don't know if a child would even be this incompetent. I really thought it was going to be something with Sulu because they mm. made such a big deal yeah. about the medication. Yes. And I was like, did they just like turn Sulu into a vampire? Like what's going on? I, I was like, I, my brain was going places to be like, they've done some weird shit with Sulu before and I'm ready for it. Like, and then yeah. it turns out Mel Bones is just incompetent about all of his jobs. <laughs> And, you know, I feel like that would have made more sense because I thought about this long and hard after the episode was over and Mac and I had a discussion about it. I don't even know why that plot line was necessary. Like, <laughs> why do I have this, this what felt like this five minute long thing of how McCoy has gone crazy because of this drug? There could have been a better plot mechanism to get us to the mistake that happened later that they had to go back in time to fix. Like, I feel like this was the wrong plot, you know, pathway for them to take. And it just, yeah. when I look at it, by the end of the episode, it's like, oh, Bones is better now. The end. I'm like, what? Yeah, <laughs> yeah it was just like, oh, he was on this incredibly insane coke bender. Um, <laughs> or maybe that, that, the, the super special charity lady, uh, you know, got him all back to health with her 1930s magic. I don't know. <laughs> she got him unhot and bothered. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. But I, I actually like that, Laura. I like that. I think, yeah, I think, I think this episode would have worked better if it was Sulu. Yes. Not Bones. Cause like they could have been like, Sulu's fine. And Sulu's not fine. And then Sulu like goes down and just be, becomes all swashbuckler again and goes like, ha ha. And he just jumps through the little weird time gate portal. And then they're like, 
I guess he's not fine. <laughs> I guess we got to go chase after him. You could say that that drug like had some properties that like, yes, it was going to fix him, but it was going to make him messed up for a little while. Um, and yeah. they just had to keep an eye on him while that and passed then, or something. He, you know, and then instead he you know, decided to just hop down to a planet. Because <laughs> well, also he would absolutely be the type to be like, ha ha, yes. as an attractive young woman, I shall save her from danger. <laughs> we all like, remember when he just found that gun on that planet and just started waving it around. Yeah. <laughs> It wouldn't he be is that guy. Right? He is 100% ridiculous at all times. That's fine. That's Sulu. <laughs> it's interesting that you guys are engaged in rewriting the episode because... <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I, I mean that sincerely. This episode is legendary for the scripting process that brought it to life. The credited writer, Harlan Ellison, is a fairly infamous science oh, fiction yeah. author. Yeah. Uh, short stories include uh, I Have No Mouth and I Must Scream, but I Must Scream, I, th I think the, the title is, and Harlequin said the TikTok man. Didn't he do Omega Man, or am I thinking somebody else? It's Richard Matheson who did that. Oh, shoot, yeah. 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 Okay, never mind. As it was originally written is significantly different than as it was produced, and McCoy's not even in the original script. Oh my god. <laughs> nice. There have been literally volumes written on the controversy over the script for this episode. Entire books, some of which I read this week. He did. <laughs> I was rereading. I'm like, oh yeah, I remember all that. Yeah. He also read the comic of the original script. Original script. <laughs> the original script was adapted into a comic a few years ago. Okay. Ellison wrote the script, did a couple of rewrites on it just for production type things, and then Roddenberry got involved. <laughs> of course he did. It better. Yeah. No. <laughs> and he he cut out entire characters, entire plot lines. He added the thing about McCoy injecting himself with drugs. Oh my god. Really gutted the screenplay or the, the teleplay rather. Then went around for years saying that the original author just didn't know what he was doing and and he had to rewrite <laughs> And lying, because he said, like, in the original, it, Roddenberry said in the original script, Ellison had Scotty selling drugs on the ship. <laughs> uh, what? Which never happens. Uh, okay. That little noise means uh, we're approaching our commercial break time, and I can come back and we can talk a little bit more about the production, and then also uh, question some of Kirk's decisions as a time traveler. Yes. I've got <laughs> I mean. <laughs> and with that, Let's go to our commercial break. Hi, I'm Leroy, and I've got a special effects house, and uh, we know all the, the movie tricks. Um, uh, cut into a wide angle while you're having a stunt fight. Uh, uh, just using the negatives, because that looks kind of weird. Um, uh, we have we have some spaceship models, not many. We really we don't recommend you use our spaceship models. They are not good. Double double effect, uh, double exposure. Oh, double exposure! Thank you, my assistant. You're welcome. You're welcome. Uh, Schmitty uh, is Schmitter. here. Schmitter. 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 That's your name. I knew that. We also don't remember each other's names here at Leroy's special effects house. I'm actually a doctor. Um, what What are some other things that we do here? Because I've forgotten because I injected myself with something <laughs> purely by accident. I'm not a druggie. It was an accident when I did myself with the drugs. Effects are us. We got your negatives right here, buddy. 
Messages of Social Enlightenment. We uh, This is the second episode we recorded this evening. We really couldn't quite get it together for Messages of Social Enlightenment last time. Yeah, I would like to say that the Oklahoma approach is probably bad. Praying and fasting does not seem to be working. Yeah. So let's stick with maybe, I don't know, something that scientists are saying. That's super cool. You'll have plenty of time of not eating because you won't be able to taste anything. So fast after you get the COVID. Yeah, and stop complaining at the Yankee Candle store when you can't smell the candles because you've had COVID. <laughs> That's just a, just a real quick little, you know, FYI's going to throw. Just wear a mask, guys. Just wear a mask. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you have to go out, wear a mask when you go out. And, uh, you know, baristas are people, too. So wear a mask when you're in the Starbucks. You know, they're not robots. They're people. I wear a mask when I drive through just to pick up food. <laughs> I, I do, too. Yeah. I got pulled over like, and and I put my mask on and the cop like looked at me and he pulled his mask down and he's like, ma'am, I need you to take your mask off. And I was like, no, thank you. <laughs> It was like, no, there's COVID here. Go away. You've been. (laughs) I mean, like, you pulled tons of people over. I don't know who's coughed on you. It's very nice that the prison let you podcast with us today. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm doing it out of the toilet. (laughs) Other messages of social enlightenment that are still valid, even though uh, we've said them earlier this evening. Uh, Water is life. Wear your seatbelt. Take your meds. Look both ways before you cross the street. (laughs) No, that's a big one. Because yeah. uh, the ICU beds are full, yes. Right. <laughs> like, be extra careful with all things right now, because ho- there are no more hospitals. Nope. Yeah. You know, God, no, no. All the doctors are like McCoy right now. No, no that's not true. All the doctors are doing the really damn just to keep people alive. Um, not and you have a couple of McCoys floating around, I'm sure. Like, except for maybe, uh, what's his name's personal doctor? The guy who lives in the White House right now. The guy that's I, getting evicted? Yeah, that's a personal doctor. I could definitely see him accidentally injecting himself with hydroxychloroquine or actually just not even getting that right, but just having like a vial of Clorox and just, you know, getting him right, get himself right in the gut. Ah, oh, the COVID's leaving my body. Which one's chlorine and which one's cocaine? Why do I label these so poorly? I'll just try this one. Just blend them together. It's fine. What yeah. a great idea. <laughs> It'll even you out. One's gonna, <laughs> one's gonna kick you up. One's gonna bring you down. Drink water. Drink water. Uh, Idea. Hydration is important. You know, self care is good. If you enjoy listening our vo- uh, to our voices, you should listen to as the myth turns. Which by the time this episode airs, we'll hopefully have mostly back up and running on your various podcasting platforms of choice. Z and Eris will do episodes on weeks that we don't air, and they'll pick up again with new episodes in the new year. Right? Yep. Yes. <laughs> I was like, right? That's still happening? Yes. Yes. That is Good. still the plan. Still Hopefully, the plan. nothing catches on fire. Gotta oh. <laughs> knock on that because uh, maybe I just cursed myself. <laughs> In the year where if it could catch on fire, it caught on fire. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that fire just spreading, honestly. It was a dumpster, and now it's the whole landfill. (laughs) For other entertainment needs, uh, go to partyapocalypse.com. The fourth wall is there in its entirety, along with books, blogs, and movie reviews. More things to come in the new year, provided we all don't die in the meantime. That was a fun commercial! Eris, you have a YouTube channel. 
I do. You can find me over at YouTube. I'm Aeros O'Reilly. All one word, no punctuation, no spaces or anything like that. I don't truck with that business. And I have two series. They are video game Let's Play based. One video game is a Lovecraftian horror called Darkest Dungeon, and which really super stresses me out. So I make my, my fiance, Seth, by the time you're listening to this husband, play it so I can just listen in and then just just scream about it a lot because it's terrifying. And I also have another game that is technically Skyrim, but I modded the hell out of it and I turned it into Legend of Zelda and I've been playing that one too. So if you are interested in either or both of those things, you can check me out over at YouTube. And hopefully by this time, I may also have at least one animation up. I'm endeavoring to do more of those. So if you like it, check that out. Z, you have what the kids call a TikTok. Uh, Tiki Talk, yeah. So my TikTok is Asolidoti, A-S-E-L-D-I-O-T-O, um, where I do fun things and stuff. Um, mostly I talk about shit that's happened in my life that I thought was pretty funny, and I react to things. So if you like those things, that's where to get those things at. Well said. Thanks. I didn't <laughs> think so, but I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. You know I got your back, bro. <laughs> and, uh... Back, back to, to the, the show. Episode. <laughs> we didn't time that well. No, back to the episode. Back to the episode. Back, back, back to the episode. Back to it now. Hooray. Hooray. Back, back, back you. Talking more about <laughs> the long-term controversies of the production of The City on the Edge of Forever, Ellison has mm-hmm. is was well known while he was alive for being perhaps the most cantankerous writer of sci-fi to ever have lived. There's some encounters he's had at conventions with other writers have ended in restraining orders, and <laughs> that's just one example. Uh, he nice. died a couple of years ago, and I, I think to term him cantankerous, he would not disagree with. But he's dead now, so I, I can say he's cantankerous, even <laughs> if he would disagree with it. <laughs> Otherwise, he might come find me and hit me, even though oh. he was <laughs> he, he was a little old Jewish man. Anyway, he had a 30-year-long feud with Roddenberry, uh, wrote a whole book that featured the original teleplay of this episode and a extra-long essay explaining exactly why Gene Roddenberry was a son of a bitch. Um, <laughs> That's that great. sounds like something I would do. <laughs> written after Roddenberry had died, so he, and it starts with, like, so they tell me don't speak ill of the dead. Well, fuck that. <laughs> And then he goes on for uh, tens of thousands of words. Roddenberry lied about most of the things that he said about the episode. And the original is much better. It's much more poignant. I think it definitely develops some of the people in the 1930s a lot more. There, There's a lot more interesting things going on there. Edith Keeler is not just this pillar of Roddenberry-esque virtue where it's like, I believe in the future men will live in spaceships and everyone will be happy. (laughs) Which was definitely bullshit that Roddenberry forced into the script. Now, is Kirk in in the original teleplay, is he still just like a horny bastard who can't keep it in his pants for a week. No, and that's the interesting thing. And I think that's some of one of the things in the episode they can't quite shake off from the original teleplay is that this is not really a a a sexual thing between him and Edith Mm. Keeler. It is for Kirk certainly surprisingly chaste. True. There is a pure He wanted to hold her hand. Right. That's not something I think he does often. 
Yeah, <laughs> I, I think, I mean, he he loved her, yes, yeah. uh, in that in that short amount of time. That's more well-developed, and they, they have a lot of interesting dialogue in the teleplay. If, if you are of a mind to check out the comic book, I would say definitely check out the comic book, because it's the art on it is very good, and it feels like they actually went back and tried to do the episode justice. Ellison got some vengeance in the short term. He turned his, his original version of the teleplay in for a Writers Guild Award. <laughs> and Roddenberry turned in the production <laughs> draft as well. And the Writers Guild named Ellison's teleplay the best teleplay of all the teleplays <laughs> in 1967. Nice. That's great. Yeah. I mean, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. Very nice. I, I do got to say that I was not a fan of. Uh, like normally I think it's really funny how Kirk is trying to bang everyone and everything right. but I wasn't a fan of it in this episode probably because it wasn't sexual because it was supposed to be like more deep and mm. I really felt like Elsa from Frozen where she's like you can't marry a man that you've just met to Anna um, <laughs> That's I was like, yeah, I was yeah. like Kirk, Kirk, Kirk my boy Kirk <laughs> fall in love with somebody that you just met <laughs> I like the down ending at the end of it, sort of. I think, again, the original teleplay has a little bit more hopefulness. Like, Kirk and Spock have one more conversation after they return to the present, quote-unquote, and Kirk has a little bit more catharsis. But it's interesting that this episode, it doesn't end with them kind of chuckling on the bridge or, you know, them having a fun moment. It ends with Kirk pretty much defeated. Yeah, and saying, let's get the hell out of here. Actually like that. Yeah. It's like one of the first times we see Kirk actually having to deal with a cost yeah. of something. It's yeah. not just like, hey, I went down, I fucked up this planet. <laughs> what this is what I sacrificed to be a captain. Yeah. Like he, we get to sit with it with him for maybe the first time. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I, yeah, I, I wasn't a fan that he fell in love, but if he, because he did, I did like the ending of, like, like you said, that he had to sit with the cost. Yeah, even in its sort of neutered form, it is considered one of the more haunting and beloved episodes of the entire franchise. Not, yeah. like, not just the original series. It's also listed usually like, eh, like Entertainment Weekly or something will do the top 100 episodes of the 20th century or something, and it's always on that list. So it is yeah. probably the best the original series has to offer. And that's so funny to me because I, I have this bad habit. The episodes that always make it to the top of the list for various seasons, I'm sometimes not much of a fan of those episodes. And this, I was also, I think I'm a little bit with Z on this. Like it wasn't, I wasn't super crazy about it. There's just parts of it that I was just like, wow. We're, it, it felt like it was trying to be like two or three different things. And then when it finally settled on the, I am a time travel episode where we're trying to undo something and Kirk is just really bad at time travel. And <laughs> like, and then at the end, like, yes, we have to sit with the consequences a little bit more, but by the next episode, we're not going to be talking about her again. And so it's just, yeah. it, I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I don't know if this is going to be like a long-term thing. This is. It's, it, it isn't in canon. There are very few, if any references to Edith Keeler in the future, mainly because writers of future episodes and movies didn't want to get sued by Harlan Ellison. <laughs> oh, that's, that's I can the, see that. That's ah. the big thing preventing her from being a present 
presence in other episodes, but in books and stuff, it's always on his mind because a uh, slight spoiler, the next episode that we're going to watch, Kirk also has a pretty bad week. He's often depicted at that moment in time as being as close as he ever gets to wanting to leave Starfleet forever. Oh. The one, two punch of this episode and the next episode, he's like, there's a moment in one book where he's like, I'm actually making things worse and I need to leave. And Spock has to talk him down. See, that's some introspection that I wish we got yeah. to see a little bit more of. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Speaking of introspection. So like I watched this episode this morning, right? But then I had to go to work and I've been thinking of, I, I will say like, I've been thinking about this episode literally the entire time that I was at work. There's a lot of stuff that's, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of stuff that's happening. Thematically, I'm kind of like, I'm still very eh about on how I feel on the whole, like, here's this character who represents striving and working towards peace. She's a pacifist. She needs to die in order for war to end, basically. Because it's like, oh, if she lives, then fascists take over. Which I'm like, I see it. I, I, that the logic there, is there. Yeah. The logic is there because it's like that gave Germans the time to come up with the A-bomb and that gave them the leverage to... I totally get it. But is that the message? That, that's We want to hear right now. Right. That's another element that Ellison was very upset about because it's not that way in the the teleplay. They don't spell it out specifically. the The guardian of forever, they're actually like guardians. There's these mm -hmm. there's these sort of like weird time wraith kind of people that are on the planet in the original teleplay. They are aware of time, but they can't tell him specifically what's going to happen. And mm -hmm. Spock's instruments don't put together the history either. They just know that this woman is important. She will be the focal point in all this, and she's yeah. what changes in the timeline, and you have to put it back the way it was. So they get to the point where Spock realizes that she would have died, and then they speculate on why that's important. Then they th And Spock even says, like, okay, she lives and prevents the U.S. from getting into the war for a few years, and then Kirk's like, well, we can't just guess this. This is a person's life. Yeah. But they also realize that the future has been altered, and they just have to take it on faith that she does have to die for whatever See, that would have been better. Yeah, no, <laughs> I agree. I think the original teleplay is better, yeah. I'm gonna say that, yeah, that the, it's it might be a little bit of a miracle that this show has endured yeah. in spite <laughs> of Gene Roddenberry. Yes. <laughs> Big thesis yeah. for the entirety of Star Trek. <laughs> Star Trek is at its worst when the Gene Roddenberry is. is the most involved. Yeah. Yeah. You know what's sad is I wrote on my notes before I realized that she was going to have to die. Because, um, like, as soon as they introduce the concept, she's going to die, I'm like, they're going to kill her off. Like, they're going to fridge her, obviously. But she says something to Kirk about, I can't remember how she phrases it. She's like, either I wish or they should take all the money they spend on war and actually spend it on life. And I'm like, man, we should all be Edith Keelers. <laughs> You know, like yeah. take all Aside of that time and effort thing before the meal. That was, <laughs> yeah, that she's, is an is issue. She's like, like one of those dope nuns that's like all about social justice, where you're just like, yeah, and right? like, the, like the Catholic Church is all like, uh, we don't know about you nuns. You're 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 into things that we're not necessarily a font fond of. And she's like, oh, Jesus told me to fuck off. Kind of had the opposite reaction to her because like she gets up there on literally on that platform. Mm -hmm. as the homeless men are eating and she's like well i know all of you are you know 
you know, addicts and, or, and she doesn't even, use, I forget. Yeah. Well, and she she's telling she, them if, that they're all like sots and they need to get their shit together basically. But why don't you stay and have a good meal? Like, I, I think she was saying <laughs> that if you are just a drunk, then I can't help you. Yeah. But it didn't come out that way. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> it, yeah. it, to me, it felt very much of a, like, I am going to tell you why you're a bad person before you eat. Also, also <laughs> not in the, in the original script. Although, or, or Roddenberry fuckery. <laughs> from what I hear, vaguely accurate for how homeless shelters work <laughs> at least here yeah. at least where we live <laughs> yeah i did make a little comment in my notes about like yeah maybe charities haven't changed all that much over the charities, maybe we shouldn't be just having like oh who's actually going to take care of the people i don't know some charity like maybe Maybe not just have charities run that aspect of human life. I have a whole soapbox on that, and I work in nonprofits. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Anywho, I did like Edith Keeler. I also like Coco. So speaking of like the like, she gets on her little platform and starts preaching at people thing, which is like okay, kind of kind of what they do in face space homeless shelters a lot. She also like immediately takes a left turn into Crazyville that I actually like <laughs> really appreciate because she's like, I'm going to talk to you about the men who live up in the stars and someday we too shall join with the aliens and the lizard people and the whatever, you know, and it's just like, oh, this is why that this is why that other dude warned Kirk this is how you pay for your meal buddy you're not gonna like it here in a second because she just <laughs> veers it to like and then the people who live in the moon <laughs> will come down and, and it's just like got it <laughs> okay. hey, here's something to think about in the televised version it's important that Edith Keeler is not there anymore in history mm -hmm. why didn't they just take her back with them she would have loved it <laughs> Yeah, she, yeah, she would have been like, fuck, yeah, let's do this. <laughs> like, you, we're still removing him for her from the timeline. So, what yeah. If, what if somebody gets inspired by her death? Ooh, yeah, know, that's like, I was going with that, too. Or her death starts a movement. Yeah. Right. Like, they would just be curious about her disappearance, but the fact that she died, then maybe they get inspired by it or something. I was wondering if they were going to go that route too with the fact that she was so hardcore on like, let's build up our technology. Like humans have so much more capability and potential than this. Like, let's go reach out for the stars. Let's stop fighting each other. And I was like, oh dang, is she going to start a protest? <laughs> like, you know, like I was really expecting her to be a movement. And then it turns out that no, she just disappears. Yeah. And I think that's where I'm sitting with the whole, like, I don't know how I feel about this. Hmm. They almost had a good, really thought-provoking, and I love some time travel. I, I usually love some time travel. And they were hey. almost there. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> they were so I, you, close. <laughs> you know me. I, I'm your boy when it comes to the TT. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. And it's like, <laughs> it's, true, right? it's true. You are our time travel anyway no I'm, but like yeah they got so close to having a really thought evoking time travel science fiction episode and then they were like no right. <laughs> it got rod buried yeah it got rod buried <laughs> you got i'm just gonna throw this out here guys what if the, just the lady chick dies <laughs> and yeah. that's what's important to the to the timeline what if she just like dies <laughs> I just assume he's from Jersey. 
I, I like the when you Mac, as you described, like the original teleplay, how there's like several guardians. I like that concept a little better than just a like a geode. Uh, yeah, it's like a circle <laughs> that just shows you the past, yeah. <laughs> and sort of like I, I like the idea of like let's flesh them out a little bit more. Let's let's know more about like what they do actually. Are they guardians of the timeline? And they saw like this is a, this is a rift. We must fix it. Here's a guy who can help us because Kirk's never done anything awful to the timeline before. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, Boy. like Spock, I feel like could be trusted, but Kirk, ooh, dangerous. <laughs> the Department of Temporal Investigations case on this one. Okay, so Kirk, you told her about future books, <laughs> and then please, please, please. Kirk, tell me you didn't have sex with her. <laughs> well, I some Kirk scenario. <laughs> what? What? Uh, there wasn't time. There was a truck, and there was bones. And, I but, held her hand. Took her to a Clark Gable movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's so That's not a twenty twenty mood. <laughs> it's thought provoking. Mm-hmm. I've thought about this episode basically all day since I've watched it. I'll, I'll give them that. Honestly, recommend you track down either the teleplay or the comic adaptation of it. It, it might further your fascination. Yeah, I think I, I think I, without having read it, I think I can safely say I'll like it better than the than the episode. Because, like, having said that, I did not dislike the episode. Right, like, the one that I just you know that they, I watched today. They couldn't eliminate what was special about the episode. Yes. Roddenberry could not ruin it. Despite Completely. his level-headed best, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like he tried, but and he still like it's still shown through despite that. So yeah, there was a weird sour moment for me though. Like it was, it did kind of bug me. Kirk's from the twenty second, twenty third, twenty third, twenty third century, the twenty two hundreds. So the this twenty third century man is in nineteen thirty New York. Yeah. Is that where he's at? Mm-hmm. And they get caught by a cop. Oh, and yeah. in no time flat, Kirk immediately was like, well, my friend is obviously Chinese. Like, yeah. <laughs> weird, like, veering into racism really quickly. But yet, uh, so apparently he'd, he'd been thinking about it, like, okay, if we meet someone, I'll just tell them you're Chinese. But he never thought about how to explain Spock's ears. So he had to, like, stumble through that, like, oh, he had an accident as a, no, no, Spock had to come up with the, with the excuse. He, he said, a, a, no, Spock says, uh, my unfortunate accident as a child, and Kirk said, yes, he got his ears stuck in a mechanical <laughs> rice picker. Yeah. I was just like, wow, like, what just happened here? Ellison had some thoughts about that one. Because, oh, he didn't write that either? No. Okay, good. That, another rotten feature. <laughs> the the Oriental thing is in there, but it's a mob of racists in the 30s that say that just assume he's Oriental. That would be better. Yeah. Yes. And, and uh. Kirk and Spock are like, let's just roll with that for the time being and cover your ears. <laughs> yeah, I actually, I was about to say, like, it almost would have been better. Kirk and Spock are like, okay, 1930s. What do we know about the 1930s? And Spock is like, uh, architecture, uh, this, uh, this is the precedent. And Spock is like, and, and Kirk is like, they're super racist. Yeah, they really, really hate Asians. Like, <laughs> and they're like, we can work with this. This is the only things we know about the 1930s, <laughs> you know? I would almost been okay if they had done that right before. Yeah. The cop. And then Kirk just looks at Spock and goes, <laughs> he's Chinese? 
Like we've done that before, you know. Spock <laughs> gives a briefing about whatever it is that's about to happen. So yeah, just have a briefing on the 1930s. <laughs> I know we talked about this being a shorter episode, but we are already running a little long on time. Does anybody else have anything else? I mean, despite the fact that apparently her character completely changed, I do think it's important that we living now as people now should strive more towards peace and try to be more like Edith Keeler. We do not have the benefit of knowing what the future is going to be. So all we can do is to try our best. And I think honestly, moving to a society that actually tries to take care of each other uh, is probably better than the one we've got now. (laughs) I absolutely agree with that. With the only caveat on that being that if there are fascists around, fuck those guys. Oh, yeah. yeah. Nazis um, are bad, no matter what decade yeah. you're in. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta, so you gotta be your Edith Keeler, but you also gotta be that sniper lady from Russia where they say, like, how many yeah. men did you kill? And she goes, I did not kill men, I killed fascists. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. She's the bomb. <laughs> I will agree that the limits of pacifism are somewhere in the realm of fascism. Yeah. Yeah. Strive to be better to your fellow man, which also means that you need to make sure that everyone is doing that. And yeah, <laughs> don't, you demand don't tolerate better. intolerance. Yeah, demand better of your fellow humans. Yes, there we go. Yeah, there we go. Demand better of your fellow humans. Demand it. And Very demand active. better of your television producers. Yes. Like, <laughs> like just let Ellison's script go forward. Yeah. Very. It's a little over budget, but you guys saved a fuck ton of money on the alternative factor. That that thing's right. barely an episode. Yeah, that cost all yeah. twenty bucks, right? You saved. Yeah. You have tw- twice as much budget for this episode. You, you actually saved money on film developing on that one. <laughs> whatever. I'm gonna demand better from you. This, this, don't butcher that script. <laughs> Next time, your away team will hit the end of season one of the original series with Yay. Operation Colon Annihilate! Exclamation point. I think there's actually a goddamn exclamation point in the actual title. Sounds it exciting. On Netflix. Also, are we talking... Is that is that Doctor Who? Because, I mean, like that sounds a little bit like Daleks right there. A little bit, yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, no, there are... Uh, there's some shenanigans and they, uh, like... Uh, I can't remember what they call them. Like, it's not spores because we already did the spores. Um, <laughs> like, there's weird, like, parasites that just look like pieces of rubber that fly on people. Anyway, you, I don't want to ruin it. You'll find out. Okay. And then that's can't the end. Wait. That's the end of season one, and then we move on fr- to the beginning of season two with one of the classic all-time episodes, a mock time, where we go to the planet amok, Vulcan. Amok, amok. <laughs> we go to Planet Vulcan for Spock's wedding. Oh, what? Yes. Not, not, I'm, I'm, spoilers. Can't. <laughs> How does Kirk get involved in uh, the wedding? You'll have he to tries wait to find out. Right, right. Uh, exactly. There's some fun stuff. They hope to fight to death. There are Lurpas. Great. Lerpa's being a Vulcan weapon that is essentially just a, a sword with a sandbag tied to the I end. I thought you said Lerpers. We'll actually be on Vulcan? Yes, yes. Ooh. We are going to Vulcan. We will be on Vulcan. We will see a Vulcan wedding. It's a great episode. It is, And it's definitely not going to stop any of the speculation about Kirk and Spock's actual relationship. <laughs> Until then, bye guys! Bye! bye. bye.